In this room, we ask that you would be with each of us, that you would guide us and direct us, and that you would open our hearts to hear what Zach has to say. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ben. Uh, If you guys uh, haven't gathered yet, I'm Zach, and I was on staff here um, for a year or two uh, in 2016, 2017. Um, and so we're super glad to be back, and I just want to thank Ben and all the board for letting us come and, and lead worship and, and talk to you guys this morning. Um, so uh, we were here from February 2016 until May of 2017, and so it's been about a year, and so we're so excited to be back. I mean, Abby and I were talking a little bit on our way here, just kind of uh, thinking about some of the memories when we were living in, in, uh, in Maysville, and we were just overwhelmed with all the with gratitude for all the people who were so generous to us and helped us in any way that we needed and uh, have kept up with us in the last year and we're excited to see all of you and 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 get to catch up a little bit um and so when we started here at at highland abby and i had only been married for two months and uh, we were still both in college at kentucky christian university and so maysville was our first home as a family for sure. And we, while we lived here, we finished college. Uh, we got a dog. But most of all, we got, we, we didn't get, we had our daughter, Amelia, at, um, at Meadowview on April 21st, 2017. And so Maysville will always be a special place for us and always Amelia's hometown. And so uh, we said goodbye to you guys last May, uh, and, and we moved our family to Cleveland, Ohio. And so I know I voluntarily moved to Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and I got a ton of people that said, hey, pack your parkas. I mean, it's cold up there. And so we did, and we made it through, and now it's warm again, and it's exciting. But we, we decided to make the move to Cleveland because I was offered a residency at a church called Velocity Church, and Abby was offered a job at a Cleveland Clinic hospital. And so uh, we, we've been there for about a year now. And, and the cool thing about Velocity is, is that um, I did an internship there when I was in college after my freshman year. Uh, and at that point, they were only a four-year-old church, and, and they were growing. Um, but God has blessed Velocity so much in the time that, that, we were, that I was gone between my internship and coming back. And so in 2016, they launched a second uh, campus of their church about 10 miles from their original campus. And that campus is about 200 people now, and their original campus is about 400 people. And so we get to hear so many amazing stories at Velocity because just like Highland, Velocity exists for people who are far from God. And so I know you've heard Ben talk about the 50,000 people who live within 20 miles of this building who have, do not have a relationship with Jesus. And so those are the, kind of, those are the same people that, that we're looking for in Cleveland. We want to tell people who have, have never been told before. Because there are so many people on my street and in my city and in Cleveland who have no idea. They've never heard the whole truth of what Jesus did for them. And because so many of the people that we're reaching are, are broken and, and they have just brokenness in their families and all this stuff, and they're usually poor, uh, the offerings that, that come into the church, they aren't enough for us to, to continue the growth that we have. And so myself and a few other people on staff have said, we think that God is, is really doing something. And so we're going to fundraise the money that we need because the money's not there. And so Abby and I agreed to do that last year. Um, we've been doing that for the past year. And uh, also, the guy who, the, the family who started Velocity, Scott and Vanessa Pugh, when they started the church, they, they committed to not taking a salary from the church for 10 years. They said, not a penny from the church is coming to us for 10 years. And so now they're nine years in, and they're still fundraising every bit of their, of their salary so that we can reach the people who are around us. 
And so we are so excited about what Velocity is doing in Cleveland because Cleveland, for the most part, is kind of spiritually dead. And so I know what you're thinking, kind of like, that's just a few hours from here. I mean, surely it's not like that different. I mean, it's still kind of like the Bible Belt or something, right? And see, that's what I thought when I, when I first went up there. I thought there'd be a church on every corner and there would be these huge mega churches that everyone and their brother went to that, that you couldn't drive down the road without seeing something about. But I was sadly mistaken about that because you see, Cleveland is a heavily Catholic and Jewish area. Uh, and so, so any given Saturday, especially where, where we lived our first year, you would see tons of people walking on Saturdays dressed in all black to synagogue for, the, for Jewish synagogue. And we went through one Lent so far in, in Cleveland. And, and so every single restaurant you can think of, even, even Chick-fil-A serves fish on Fridays in Cleveland because of Lent. That's how entrenched the, these, these cultures are. But the interesting thing is that for the most part, the Catholic faith isn't as much a spiritual a spiritual thing as it is a cultural thing. It, it's a cultural thing that, that you were raised Catholic. And so we hear story after story of people who say that they were born into a Catholic family and they went to church on Christmas and Easter and they went through catechism and they were confirmed. But they'd never been involved enough to even hear the full truth of the gospel. And so when we tell them, when they come to Velocity and we tell them, they're like, this is, this is entirely new information for me. I, I'd never heard this before. And so while a majority of the people around us would say that, yes, they're religious and, and they pray some and they follow some of the religious traditions that their family has passed down to them, when they hear the truth about what Jesus did for them, it's, it's new information and they want to hear more. And I don't know if you guys realize it or not, but there was actually a city just like that in the New Testament. Look what it says in, in Acts 17. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. Then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join him. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and the resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Now, at this point in history, the Greek religion was at its peak, and, and Athens was the center of it all. And so some of you might have heard of a building called the Parthenon uh, that, that's in Athens, and that was the Greek, uh, temple to the Greek god Athena. But what some of you might not know is that the Parthenon was only one of the major temples and, and statues that were in Athens. You see, when Paul visited Athens at this time, there would have been at least 25 other major temples and statues to Greek gods within seven acres of the Parthenon. I mean, Athenians were the pulse of the Greek religion. Everything centered around them. See, these people, they were completely convinced that these gods of what we now call Greek mythology were real, living gods. And they did whatever they could to please these gods, whatever the priests said that would please these gods. They served people like, like Zeus and Poseidon and Hermes and Artemis and Aphrodite. And they were even taught that partying and drinking was worship to one of their gods, Dionysus. 
And so this religion was so widespread that it didn't just influence their culture. It influenced the culture of the entire world. And the crazy thing is, it still influences our culture today. I mean, names of planets and stars, phrases like Achilles' heel, Trojan horse, Midas' touch. Companies like Amazon and Nike, even words like Europe, Titan, and Phoenix are all references to Greek mythology. And so if it's that prevalent today, can you imagine how big of a deal it was at this time? I mean, this was the thing. This was not just a religion. This was a culture. So even if you weren't all that, all that interested in religion, I mean, your family had worshipped a Greek god or a group of gods for generations. And so you identified with that because that was what you did. And see, these people were sincerely trying to follow the gods that they were told about. They're trying to do the right thing. And you see, most of them knew some of what they were worshiping, but how can you possibly keep up with a religion with so many gods and, and rules and all these things? And so, so the Apostle Paul, he's supposed to just be waiting in Athens, just like waiting for his friends to catch up to him because it's safer there, which if you read the chapters leading up to this, you'll see over and over again, Paul is beaten within an inch of his life. He's thrown in prison. Mobs chase him. and They hunt down anyone who is, is associated with him. Paul is just getting chased down by all these people. And so he's hiding out in Athens, waiting for his friends to join him so they can keep going and plant more churches. But you see, Paul couldn't just kick his feet up and sit there. Like he, he just wasn't that kind of guy. He had to do something about this city that was full of people who had literally never heard anything about Jesus before in their life. And so he started telling people the good news. And it's obvious that, that these people, they had never, never heard this before in their life. It sounded so foreign to them. But it piqued their interest. They were like, that's, that's interesting. And so let's pick the story back up. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You're saying some rather strange things, and, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So see, this is usually in the part in the story where the violence breaks out, where, where Paul is beaten or thrown out of town or those kind of things. But the incredible thing is that the Athenian people, they seriously want to know what Paul is talking about. They seriously want to know what he has to say. They have never heard this before, and they're willing to hear him out. And so Paul takes the opportunity to tell these people about Jesus for the first time. And look what he says. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. So I want you to catch something about what Paul said here. I mean, he could have started talking like he did to his Jewish friends with all their, their history and their slang and terminology and said, okay, listen, guys, you're a bunch of pagans and you worship hundreds of imaginary gods and you need to stop because I worship the one true God and you better listen up. You're all going to hell. But you see, he didn't, he didn't say that. He didn't come in here and say, I'm right, you're wrong. You need to deal with it. No, he met them where they are and he, and he says, hey, I noticed you're really trying to do the right thing. You're very religious. And as of walking around your beautiful city, 
I noticed a statue, and it said, to an unknown God. Well, actually, I know about this God, and can I tell you about him? You see, he didn't say, he didn't condemn their gods or say anything about what they were doing being wrong. He just said, hey, you don't know much about this one God, do you? Well, I can tell you about him. And so Paul continues to to preach a message to them about how this unknown God is actually the God of heaven and earth. And, and so he doesn't live in temples or statues or anything that we could build. And so we got to kind of change our thinking on that. But, but he continues on and he says that, that this God actually created all of this. And he uses it to show us that he's real and he wants us to find him. And just like the Greek poets had said that we are offspring of God. He goes on to tell them that this God has done something new. And now he's calling everyone everywhere to listening, to come back to him and to change their life because his son died and came back to life. And so now I I paraphrase most of what Paul said here, but you can read it for yourself in verses 24 to 31. But after he finished speaking, when he got all done, some people just laughed at him and didn't believe him. They're like, that's not true. I don't know know where you got that. I mean, we've been taught Greek mythology or we've been taught Greek religion for all of our lives and our grandparents. This doesn't make any sense. But then other people said, Paul, can you, can you tell me more about this? And the Bible says that because of this sermon, some of the people there, including some powerful city officials, gave their life to Christ. Because once Paul explained the truth to them, it just made sense. And so to summarize this passage of Scripture, it says, I would say that a majority of Athenians would say that, that they were religious, and they prayed and they followed the religious traditions that their family had taught them for generations. But when, when someone told them the truth about, about what God did and what Jesus did, everything changed. It, it just made sense. And they, and they became believers and, and they gave their life to Christ. And that's what we're seeing at Velocity time and time again. Whether people grew up Catholic or, or Jewish or Lutheran or Baptist or not involved in church at all, we hear people over and over again say, I never knew this before. Can you, can you just tell me more about this? In fact, just a few weeks ago, I was talking to our lead pastor, Scott, and he told me a story that he was talking with a woman at our Easter services who had never been before, and she just had introduced herself to him, and they were striking up conversation. And then she just stopped and looked at, looked at him and said, Scott, no one had ever told me this before. I, I had no idea. Am I allowed to come every week? And we said, yes, there's no cover charge. There's no limit on attendance. None of, you can come every week. We want you to know about this. And so it's obvious that, that we desperately need more churches in Cleveland. And we realize that Cleveland is not the only city in the world that needs Jesus. There are people all around the world who have never heard before. But there are also people on my street and on your street who don't know? And who do I expect to tell my neighbors about Jesus? So Velocity is just trying to do what Paul modeled in the New Testament and just continue to start new churches until everyone in Cleveland has heard the truth. And like I said earlier, uh, actually, I don't think I did say this earlier. I thought I did. Um, Abby and I, uh, after I finished my residency in the past year, we're going to be going to start a third campus of Velocity in the fall of 2019. Uh, and so we're, we're super excited about this, and we just bought a house in that area of town. Uh, and so we've been doing some research into, into where we live now. 
And so uh, we live in a city called Willowick. There's a bunch of cities right around us, but the one we live in is Willowick. It's only two and a half square miles. There's about 14,000 people in our town, and there are six churches in our town. And, uh, and so we did some research, and, and based on, on that, we estimate that there are at least 72 people on my block, not my street, my neighborhood, my city, 72 people on my block who are not involved with Jesus in any way at all. And that there are almost 3,000 people within one mile of my house that have no idea. That they're not involved with Jesus at all. I don't even know if they've ever heard the truth. You see, these are the people who we have to keep planting churches for. Because of kids like, like Travon, who is part of our e-crew program, where we go into middle schools and we, and we teach kids leadership. And so Trevon's life is just absolutely tragic. I mean, he's legitimately afraid to go home some days. But he was in our EQ program, and because he got to know Velocity through that, he was willing to go to Summer in the Sun with us, a youth conference down at Kentucky Christian University. While he was there, he heard the truth about what Jesus did for him for the first time. That no matter how many things he'd done wrong, no matter how many times he'll continue to mess up, that God desperately loves him. And when he heard that, everything changed. See, Trevon decided to get baptized right then and there. And ever since then, it's been amazing to see because he, he can't drive. And so he, he'll be texting people on Saturdays and Sunday mornings just begging for a ride so that he doesn't miss a single week of velocity. And so Trevon and eight other people got baptized with us at Summer of the Sun last year. And I just want to take a second to, to share their stories with you. So if you just look at the screen, we got a, a video to show. My name is Justice Jansen. Name is Alexis Favors. My name is Jordan Martin. Uh, my name is Shauna Andrews, but I go by Kyle. My name is Marcus Walker. Uh, my name is Ryan Houston. My name is Mackenzie Holcomb. My name is Trevon Mims. Um, for a long time, I've been wondering, like, is God on my side? And a few days ago, he had spoken to me through my idol, and I just knew that God was, he was always going to be there. And I believe in him, so I made that commitment, and I decided to get baptized right there at the lake. Uh, I have always, like, like, gone to, like, summer camp and grown up in church, and, like, I would think that I was finding him, but then I would just, like, it all be, like, over, and I'd just, like, stray just the same every single time until recently, like, this week and this Christian retreat I went on. Like, they both, like, I've really, like, heard God speaking to me. Like, when I was younger, um, I just went to church normally, Sunday school. I really didn't want to, mostly because I want to sleep in. But now I'm getting closer with God, and it's my decision, and I'm making it for myself, and I, I want to be closer with God. I really wasn't Christian. I was more atheist than anything. And then coming to this camp, it changed my perspective on everything. It made me see that people are here for me, God's here for me, and I never really realized that and just being here for the past, what, five days, however many days I've been here, just seeing that he's there, people are there for me. I wanna be reborn. 
I made the decision to get baptized because I wanted to get closer to God, and I feel like I'm not close enough to him right now. Hearing all the speakers and everything, um, it really started to speak to me. And then um, I believe it was yesterday when somebody was talking, I just took a minute to sit there and I put my head down and I just had this, I don't know, voice or something tell me like in my heart, it's like, it just showed me you're ready. And I was just like, I, th I think I'm ready. And so I told Vanessa. Because for the past couple of days, I felt like that I was nowhere near God. And I wanted to take the next step to get to Him. And I've done a lot of wrong things, and I just want to clean myself up. So Summer of the Sun is quickly coming up again, and, and we're super excited again this year because, uh, again, through our EQ program, we have so many kids that, that have just never heard before. They've never been to church. They've never come to Velocity, but they're willing to go to summer camp. And so this year, we know of at least 34 kids that are going with us who have never, have never given their life to Christ or been baptized. And so we're so excited to see what's going to happen because among those 34 are two of Trevon's siblings who noticed a difference in Trevon and started coming to Velocity some, but I can't wait to see what's going to happen this summer. But there's also people who, who come to our church, like a woman named Gina, who was just convinced that she would never find a church that, that would accept her. She would never be good enough for God. Or, and she was just like, maybe I just, maybe this just isn't for me. And so I, I want to share her story with you as well. You know, you watch this. Gina Hyman Lloyd. Um, a kind of a long story. Um, I have actually been lurking pretty much all my life for a um, somewhere to belong. My father met my mother in the Philippines, and in order to marry her, he had to pay the priest and then promised to raise us as Catholics. Um, he is a good Southern Baptist, so it was gonna be a learning lesson for him. But we did that. So pretty much the majority of my life, um, being raised a Catholic in a literally small Southern town was very difficult. Um, we, I went to all different kinds of religions trying to find a place where I fit, and I didn't tell my parents because I was afraid they would be disappointed, and I didn't want to disappoint them. So we went to, um, I think I tried everything, Pentecostal, Methodist, Baptist, uh, Mormon. I looked at everything. 
and finally just kind of came to the conclusion I would just kind of find peace with the fact that I may not fit anywhere. Um, it's kind of hard. I kept going back to the Catholic Church, but it was really difficult because I always felt like I was never going to measure up, and I didn't know if I could attain all the rules. Um, so we moved to Ohio in 97, and again, continued. It was probably sometime the summer of last year I started seeing flyers. Um, I kind of just tucked them away, said, that looks interesting, uh, started getting all kinds of messages on Facebook, same thing, saved it, um, saw people that I knew who were liking the site, and I thought, okay, I've got to look into this, got to look into this. Again, kind of put it to the back of my mind and said to come back to it. We, it was probably the week before um, the church opened. I was walking down the road, and a flyer came tumbling down the road and landed right in front of me. And I thought, okay, somebody's trying to tell me something here. I need to check this out. Put it in my car so I wouldn't forget. And um, it was probably the day before the church opened. I said, I, I'm doing this. I'm going. And on September 18th, I showed up. And it was the most overwhelming um, sense of belonging. And I guess the best way I know to put it is I just felt like I was home. It just felt right. It just feels like I finally found somewhere that I belong and I want to make that commitment. Um, I want to make this a part of my, my life and I want it to be not just something I do but something I stand for. And now we know that, that Gina and Trevon, they're not the only people in Cleveland who feel this way. Because in the past nine years since Velocity opened, they've baptized over 230 people. 40 of those have just been since Abby and I moved there a year ago. And so we have to keep planting churches. But it doesn't stop in Cleveland. It's, it's not just Cleveland. Like I mentioned earlier, in what Ben has told you before, there are 50,000 people within 20 miles of where we're sitting who don't know. They're not involved in, with Jesus at all. And there are people that I knew when I lived here, people that you know, people in our families, we work with, uh, our friends. And it's our job as a church to take our full attention to focus on making sure that the people that we love and care about know about Jesus because he's made a difference in our lives and why don't we want that for our friends? Can you imagine the difference it would be if, if everyone at Highland took all of their effort and it made an impact and rallied around the direction that Ben and the board are already setting for us and getting behind the idea that, that Jesus founded the church so we can hear the truth ourselves and then tell other people about it and everyone works their hardest to continue to make Highland a place that allows our friends and neighbors and coworkers to feel comfortable to come and hear the truth maybe for the first time. 
I mean, it's not our job to save anyone. That's Jesus' job. But, but if Jesus made a difference in your life, don't you want that for the people that you know and, and you love? I mean, it just excites me just thinking about it. Will you guys pray with me? God, I thank you so much for, for Highland and, and what, they've, what they've done and what they're continuing to do and just the fact that they realize that, that the church isn't just about us who've already heard. The church is about people who don't know yet because we didn't know at one time and someone told us. And so now we, we want to be the people that can continue and tell other people about it because we believe that Jesus has made a huge difference in our lives because even though we're still messed up and we make mistakes and, and over and over again, we know that, that you cover all of that. We just thank you so much. It's in your son that we pray. Amen.